0: On today's episode of Lockdown Blackhawks, Alex DeBrinkett and Patrick Kane carry the way last night, leading the Hawks to a 3-1 victory over the Jets up in Winnipeg. I'll also discuss the latest trade rumors surrounding forward Brandon Hagel. Plus, could Kirby Doc be changing positions once Jonathan Tays returns from Concussion Protocol? All that and plenty more right here on Lockdown Blackhawks. Your Locked On Blackhawks, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to the Locked On Blackhawks podcast, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Today is Tuesday, February 15th. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can find me out on Twitter at JackBushman2, or you could also go and check out my Strictly Blackhawks account at Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. And if you like what you're listening to today, then please be sure to go and follow the podcast. You could also go and leave me a review if you want to as well. It'll only take a quick couple of seconds. A quick click of the button will help me out tremendously. And best of all, it's absolutely for free wherever you may be listening to your podcasts. Whether that be through Apple Podcasts, Odyssey, Spotify, Google Podcasts, etc. It's all absolutely for free. And if you go and follow the show right now, then you'll be able to get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. Alright, good morning everyone and as always, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Lockdown On Blackhawks and for making the show your first listen here to start your day. Once again, for all those who may not be aware at this point, I am... Recording while on vacation in Mexico. So the episodes this week may be coming out a little bit later in the afternoon. This one should be coming out right around uh, 11 p.m. Central Time, but bear with me, please, folks. I expected to be on vacation here, thinking the NHL players would be at the Olympics. That turned out not to be the case. So now I have to work, do a daily podcast, and still cover the Hawks games while in Mexico. So that's why some episodes could be coming out a little bit later. That's probably why. Uh, the audio may be a little bit echoey for you all. It's because I'm recording in a hotel room. It's basically the only place I can get peace and quiet uh, here in Mexico. So thank you all for bearing with me through all of that. But once again, per usual, we got a lot of good stuff coming on the show here this afternoon. First things first, let's talk about that bounce back victory from the Chicago Blackhawks last night to defeat the Winnipeg Jets 3-1 to up in Winnipeg, Manitoba. And I thought right out of the gate, I could just tell, and I think a lot of other people could as well. I saw a bunch of tweets about it, but you could just kind of tell that the Hawks had come with a much better effort and better game plan than they had over the weekend down in St. Louis. I mean, that was an absolute despicable performance by the Blackhawks on Saturday night. One we should all try to forget about as soon as possible. Uh, But it was pretty clear from the get-go last night that this was probably going to be Uh, a much better game overall out of the Blackhawks, if they could keep it up for the entire 60 minutes. And of course, consistency from period to period, game to game, day by day, you never know what you're going to get with the Chicago Blackhawks team. But they did come out with a pretty good effort in the opening 20 minutes. Uh, Not a whole lot of mistakes, not not even in just the opening 20 minutes throughout the course of this game. I thought they played pretty sharp. You know, they didn't really have any key blunders in the defensive zone or anything. Um, And also, one thing I had to mention here, one of my keys to victory that I spoke about on the episode yesterday was uh, for the penalty kill, not only to be successful against a solid Jets power play coming into last night, the Jets had the 11th best power play in the entire NHL, um, but even more so than that, just to stay out of the box as much as possible. Make life easier on yourselves the Hawks have the worst penalty kill in the NHL since Thanksgiving you want to know how to fix that stay out of the box stop taking bad penalties I mentioned I thought that was going to be a key to victory for the Blackhawks not only to have success on the penalty kill but to not give the Jets in that dangerous offense of theirs so many man advantage chances where eventually they're going to find the back of the net Connor Murphy wound up uh, taking a penalty a little less than 10 minutes into <clears throat> 10 minutes into the first period, uh, but that wound up being the lone penalty of the night for the Blackhawks, and that's what we need to be seeing more consistently out of this team. I feel like the discipline just has not been the best throughout the course of the season. I talked about that yesterday too. Just a lot of holding penalties, a lot of slashing penalties is. Kind of plays that make you shake your head, especially when it's, you know, a key defenseman who could be out there on the penalty kill. I feel like the Hawks defensemen have certainly been guilty of taking too many penalties. Connor Murphy, as I just mentioned, was guilty of that in the first period. But to only pick up one penalty on the road last night in Winnipeg, talked about how that would be a huge key for the Hawks to escape with a victory. And that's exactly what wound up happening, thanks in part to only giving the Jets one power play opportunity. And my other key to victory actually was, uh, to hold off the star players of Mark Shifley and Kyle Connor, That was my first key to victory, actually, because it just feels like whenever these two teams square off, mostly Kyle Connor, but also Mark Shifley, I feel like those two are the ones who are doing a lot of the damage and are the ones creating a majority of the opportunities for the Jets' offense. And last night, I thought the Hogs' defense did a real solid job of making life as easy as possible on Marc-Andre Fleury and net. They didn't give very many odd man rushes, um, didn't give many opportunities to Kyle Connor, who's got one of the most dangerous shots in the whole league. During the Jets' lone power play opportunity, Connor did get a couple of good looks, but Fleury was able to stop both of them. Um, and that, to me, was really the only time that Kyle Connor was all that noticeable last night, which is definitely... A compliment to the Hawks defense, Jake McCabe, I thought was really good last night. We need to see more games like that out of him. It's been a pretty rough first half for him in Chicago. Uh, Connor Murphy, despite taking that early penalty, I thought he played a big role uh, and made some nice plays, simple plays to exit the defensive zone and not give Winnipeg second or third chances. That's so key, and Fleury was really doing the same. I thought his rebound control was very solid, and even when he did give up a rebound, The defensemen in front of him were there to help. I also got to give credit to Calvin DeHaan. Five hits last night, another three shot blocks, just continues to be a fearless warrior. I'm not sure how much more time he has left in Chicago, but while he's here night in and night out, you know that guy's putting his heart on the line, putting his body on the line. He'll do whatever it takes to get a victory. So kudos to those three and also the rest of the Blackhawks defensive core for holding Winnipeg down to just one goal in this game last night. And that one goal they scored, uh, it did come from. Mark Shifley of all people, but it kind of came on a on a fluky bounce. Like the puck was hopping all over the place in the offensive zone. It was a harmless shot from the point. It looked like, and then I think it hit Murphy and like duck dived into the ice. And I I actually have no idea how, but Mark Shifley made one hell of a play to bat this puck out of midair and knock it past Flurry to tie the game one to one. But other than that, you know, and you can't even really blame the Blackhawks defense for that situation. So overall. I thought they held really strong for the most part of last night. They didn't give up many odd man rushes, didn't give up many high danger chances. So, overall, I was very pleased with the defensive effort out of the Chicago Blackhawks last night. But getting into a quick recap of the game now, uh, the opening 20 minutes, as I mentioned earlier, you could just tell the Hawks came out with a better purpose and better performance than they showed against the Blues on Saturday. And even though that they Probably didn't get the better of the scoring opportunities and all the analytics, according to Natural Stat Trick in that first period, did not favor the Blackhawks. Um, It still was, I thought, a, a pretty neutral first period overall where both goaltenders managed to keep the opposition off the board and there weren't really all that many high danger opportunities for either side. Kind of just a feeling out process in those opening 20 minutes. But then in the second period, that's when the Hawks finally got their first and only power play opportunity of the game. They didn't get much going on that man advantage. But I felt like that kind of helped change the tides a little bit in their favor, right? Because up to that point, up to that power play, they'd only recorded one shot on goal through the opening nine minutes of the second period. So it was a pretty slow start out of the first intermission. They get that power play, some things start clicking, and then... Patrick Kane finds a way to beat Connor Hellebuck in transition. Got to give a huge shout out here, though, to Kirby Doc because he was the one who really made this play happen for Kaner. Doc jumped up and, jumped up and saw that was kind of an odd man rush. They had a little mini three-on-two. What does he do as the center iceman there? He perfectly drives the center lane. He pushes the defenseman back, and even better than that, he got body position on the defender. So he had no chance of stopping Patrick Kane. Kaner gets all this open ice. He walks in as close as possible and beats Hellebuck through his wickets to give the Blackhawks a 1-0 lead. Kirby Doc, huge kudos to you, brother. You're really the one who made this whole play happen here. Uh, he also got the primary assist too, which is well-deserving because uh, he's the one who literally created all that open ice for Kane to walk through in the offensive zone. So a nice play there by the Hawks in transition. Put them ahead one to nothing after 40 minutes. I thought they kept strong after that point to close out the second. Kane actually had a wide open net to give the Hawks a 2-0 lead before the second intermission. Unfortunately, I couldn't tell if this hit Hellebuck's stick or if it caught the goalpost or not, but Patrick Kane, like 99 times out of 100, puts that one into the awning cage. I have no idea how he wasn't able to double the Hawks lead heading into the third. But it was one nothing Chicago going into the second intermission. Unfortunately, though, early on in that third period, the Jets were able to knot it up after that crazy bouncing puck I was talking about, capped off by Mark Shifley to tie the game 1-1, to and that was just like, ugh, a complete backbreaker for the Hawks to surrender because, again, they really didn't do anything wrong. Shifley just kind of skates around the net and makes an unreal play off a bouncing puck. So um, that was probably the most frustrating part to me about Winnipeg managing to tie the game up early on in the third. But fortunately, just a few moments later, the Blackhawks all-star and Alex DeBranket made an all-star level play, folks. He picks up the puck in the neutral zone, skates all by himself in Winnipeg's end, and then absolutely launches a laser beam over the blocker of Hellebuck for his 28th goal of the season now. Fifth in the entire NHL is Alex Dabrinkit, and he's on pace for a career-high 48 goals, folks. That gave the Blackhawks the lead right back 2-1, to one, halfway to go through the third period. That was a massive response for the Blackhawks, and what a way to do it by the cat. I mean, night in and night out, this kid continues to prove to us he has one of the best shots, if not the best shot, in the entire NHL, and that's putting him into elite company there with Alex Ovechkin. Um, there, there's a bunch of dangerous goal scorers out there, but the cat, Austin Matthews, he remains right there with all of them. This kid is a stud. What a way to do it for the cat to put the Blackhawks back ahead, 2-1 to one in the third period, about nine minutes left after that. Uh, Winnipeg did, to their credit, come with a bit of a strong push after that goal by DeBrinket. And one thing I also noticed when kind of going over all the numbers from this game was that 8 of the Jets' 10 high-danger chances in this one and 13 of their 24 scoring chances came in the final 15 minutes of the third period. The first 45 to 50 minutes or so from the Blackhawks, the defense was incredible, working about as well as they could hope for. And then in the final minutes, once the Hawks regained the lead, as good teams do, unlike the Blackhawks this past Saturday, the Jets came with some desperation in the final minutes of the third period. And that's really where they created a majority of their opportunities, was in that desperation stage. Luckily, Flower was on top of his game all night long. He finishes with 31 saves on 32 shots faced. No surprise here. I mean, if you've been watching the Blackhawks and Mark Andre Fleury play all season, then you know. This guy's the main reason why the the Hawks have 18 wins. They could have a lot less if Marc-Andre Fleury was not their netminder. So no surprise here. Flower remains a brick wall in the cage for the Blackhawks. And he also, by the way, Marc-Andre Fleury went on to add the secondary assist during Brandon Hagel's empty netter, which sealed the deal in the final minute. And funny enough, going and watching this replay, Fleury definitely tried to shoot the puck into the empty net from his own zone which um, uh, it w- it would have been hilarious sadly it wound up being a little bit of a flubber um but Kane was able to gather the loose puck and transition and then find Hagel for the yawning cage so a heck of a performance by Mark Andre Fleury and that not, not only stopping 31 of 32 shots but he also goes on to add the secondary assist during Hagel's empty netter to help the Blackhawks pick up a much needed three-to-one victory to wrap up their three-game road trip. All right, there are my thoughts on the Hawks emerging victorious up in Winnipeg last night. Coming up in just a moment, I am going to discuss the latest trade rumors surrounding forward Brandon Hagel. But first, I need to talk to you all about Primal Origin Oils. Got beard? Get primal. If you or someone you care about has a beard, then you or they need to get Primal. And maybe you're a person who's never considered the benefits of treating your beard with product, but Primal Origin Oils will stop the itch and make your beard look healthy and fully groomed. Primal Origin Oils also makes balms, oils, and whipped butters that are known as the best feel in beard products available. And that is due to the exotic carrier blend with oils like raspberry seed, Rose hip and chia seed oil, which all are products fair trade certified and handcrafted right here in the US of A. And we know that every company claims to have the best, but Primal Origin Oils challenges you to compare their ingredients to the other companies you've used in the past. We promise you will see and feel the difference. And remember the code locked on, one word in all caps. Get you 20% off at primaloriginoils.com. You just got to use the promo code On" one word in all caps, at checkout for 20% off at PrimalOriginOils.com. All right, we're back here on Lockdown Blackhawks. Moving on into segment two this morning, I also definitely had a chat for at least a couple of moments today, on the rumor that came out from Frank Saravoli of TSN yesterday. And by the way, one thing I do have to mention with Frank, I do trust Frank. He's a respected source, obviously, works for TSN. He's got one of the most listened-to podcasts in the entire game of hockey, the entire sports world. Um, but one thing I do want to mention, he's also the same guy who said Alex Debrinkit was not one of the untouchables for the Chicago Blackhawks right now. And that right there was a little bit of a red flag to me about Valley. I wasn't sure if he was too knowledgeable about the actual Blackhawks situation because the only players he said were untouchables were literally the three guys who have full no-movement clauses. Obviously, Frankie, those guys are untouchables. I'm going to tell you what, unless I am wowed, it has to be an A++ deal. I am not moving on from Alex Brinkett. It. And it, how could anyone at this point, with what we've seen out of the cat, on pace for maybe 50 goals this season, and he's in his fourth NHL season? I mean, come on. Maybe his fifth. Don't quote me on that. That was just a little bit of a red flag to me for Valley. Obviously, he's been correct about many other things during his career. He's one of the most trusted sources in the game of hockey, but I just wanted to throw that out to all of the listeners out there. This probably is a true situation that Valley brought up, but just something to keep in the back of your mind. You're only as good as the information you're told. So keep that in mind. But according to Valley, he was talking yesterday on his daily face-off podcast, and he stated that the Chicago Blackhawks have apparently received offers, plural, not just one. They have received offers of a first-round pick and a prospect for forward Brandon Hagel. But the Blackhawks are not wanting to move him at this point. And when I first saw this report, I was kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place as to what decision I personally would make. Because let's be honest here, a first-round pick and a prospect for Brandon Hagel? Of course, we don't know what kind of level the prospect is at all, but still, a first-round pick for Brandon Hagel? That seems like beyond fair value for him at this point, in my opinion. Um, Man, that is a hard deal to say no to. And the question I've seen a lot of people asking on Twitter is, does Brandon Hagel have the overall game, the offensive game, more so? I believe to be a top six forward on a on a contending team. And a lot of people have said no. A lot of people do not believe Brandon Hagel is a top six player on a contending team right now. But I will say. Considering he is only 23 years old, I'm not, sure, I'm not so sure we know the answer to that right now. And we have definitely, undoubtedly, seen his offensive game come together a bit more than we did in his rookie campaign last year. Even despite all the struggles the Blackhawks have gone through offensively as a team, Hegel is still on pace to finish right around 50 points this season. And let me tell you, if he can be a 25-25 guy in the future, especially with the kind of energy he provides on a nightly basis, it depends on the first-round pick, but I'm not so sure I'd be willing to give him up for that, especially with the way <laughs> the Hawks have drafted in the first round these past few years. There's a lot of question marks there. Um, I know it's a different front office now, but, but still, anytime... You're leaving it up to a draft pick. It is a gamble. Could be a great gamble. Could be a terrible one. That's gambling. But to me, it's just, it's such a tough decision to make. I really don't know which way I'm, I'm going with it. I've swung back and forth probably 10 different times now. Um, because you can get a much better offensive player in the first round than what Brandon Hagel is. There's no doubt about that but you're also risking taking another gamble on a 17- or 18-year-old kid. And if this is a later first-round pick, that could change some minds as well. I don't know. There's a lot of risk involved on both sides here, I believe. And I I don't know. I really don't know if the Blackhawks made the right decision on this one because it's so tough. And I, I think... Really, only time will tell if this is the right choice by the Blackhawks not to swap Hagel for a first-round pick and a prospect, at least up to this point. But one other thing that kind of crept into my mind when going over this debate was Brandon Hagel being one of the few young players who A, the Blackhawks have been impressed with this season, and B, is on a very cheap and reasonable Contract for the next two years plus. Hagel, after this year, still has two more years left on his current contract, and then he's going to be an RFA without arbitration rights. So the Blackhawks basically have control over Hagel for at least the next three to four years. And there aren't many young players that they are excited about that are in that same situation. So I think a lot of things went into this decision to ultimately not trade Brandon Hagel for that offer, um, despite that being a first-round pick and a prospect. And one thing I also found kind of funny is that, um, thinking back to my interview with Charlie Rumeliotis from NBC Sports Chicago a few weeks ago, he told me on the podcast, he's been talking to a lot of, in particular, Eastern Conference scouts, and the one guy a lot of them, most of them, were interested in from the Blackhawks was Brandon Hagel. And Charlie was like, yeah, well, good luck, buddy. Get, get in line. Um, but it seems like, yeah, that continues to be true, and teams are making a pretty strong push here to add a, a young weapon like Brandon Hagel to their roster. Um, again, that offer, without a doubt, certainly is tempting, but I don't know, man. I really don't know what I would be doing here if I was the general manager. I'm really torn, folks, and... I'm sure I'm not the only one who's feeling that way. I've seen a bunch of different comments. I've seen people say, you know, don't have your heart in this. You got to go and get the first round pick. My heart isn't in this. It's really not. It's just the fact that Brandon Hagel's 23. He's clearly getting better. He's got great energy on a nightly basis, and he's going to be extremely cheap for the next three to four years. That's not thinking with my heart. That's thinking with my brain. I promise. A first round pick, I mean, I saw that, and I was licking my chops. I was like, they said no to that? It's crazy. I know but I do kind of understand why they went that way. One thing I will say, though, I've been talking about this a lot on the show recently when people ask me, what is wrong with this Blackhawks team? It's not just one piece they're missing, right? One player is not going to fix this mess, so the possibility of having two first round picks in this upcoming NHL draft, one for Hagel and then one potentially for Marc-Andre Fleury as well, when they currently don't have one, I mean, that undoubtedly has to be enticing for this front office. So we'll see if anything changes with Hagel's status in the future, but uh, it seems like the Blackhawks have quite the asking price right now for their 23-year-old forward. Alright, there are some thoughts on all the trade rumors surrounding Brandon Hagel. Coming up in just a moment, I am also going to get into the possibility of Kirby Doc moving to wing once Captain Jonathan Tay's returns from Concussion Protocol. But first, I need to talk to you all about Bet Online. Football season, sadly, may have come to a conclusion, frowny face. But Bet Online still has way more odds and info as both Pro and College Hoops starts to pick it up. From game scores, totals, player performance bonuses, to which coach is going to get fired next, online remains your number one spot for all sports betting here in 2022. It's not just basketball. From the NHL, Boxing and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Do not wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2022 season. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and Vegas casino games. Bet Online, where the game begins. Welcome back to Lockdown Blackhawks. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. Getting into segment three now on the show this morning before I let you all go and enjoy the rest of your days. I also definitely wanted to talk for a little bit about what coach Derek King had to say on Kirby Doc during his media session on Monday afternoon. And Kinger was asked about Doc's struggles down the middle so far in his NHL career, in particular at the face-off dot. And King responded by saying, it is a possibility that Doc could move over to the wing once Captain Jonathan Taze returns from concussion protocol. And by the way, still not much of an update on Johnny. Derek King himself said he, he's still not even sure if Taze was on the ice back in Chicago while the team was on their three-game road trip. Um, but without Taze, the Hawks just simply do not have the depth down the middle to experiment with Doc on the wing at this point. So. Um, once Taze does get back though, I certainly am intrigued by this option because I think everyone who watches the Blackhawks knows at this point at the faceoff dot, it just simply has not worked out for Kirby so far in his first 128 NHL games. He's a fine defensive player already for being so young. He's really good on the back check. He knows how to use his size. He's strong on his stick and overall just pretty responsible on that side. But He's only won 35% of his face so far in those 128 games. And to have those kinds of numbers when you're surrounded by Jonathan Taze and also Coach Yannick Perreault, who was one of the best faceoff off men of his era as well, to not be able to find success yet at this point, I'm just not so sure Doc ever will be able to figure it out at the faceoff dot. So I completely agree here with this decision to give him um, to give him some time over on the wing and just see what he's got there. Why not at this point, right? Because it clearly has not been working the best down the middle so far. And I know a lot of people, God, the comment sections on anything related to Kirby Doc are always so brutal. So- social media, seriously, is so terrible. I can see exactly why Doc deleted it back in December. Um, I know a lot of people are not pleased with Doc's progression here so far. And now, after he was deemed the top-line center of the future for these past th- three years, and possibly getting transitioned to the wing, it's kind of only adding fuel to the fire for a lot of folks out there who are not fans of Kirby Doc. But I honestly feel so bad for the kid. Like, I can just tell. I, I know he feels... Like, he's got the weight of the world on his shoulders right now, and he's seeing a ton of kids in his draft class have enormous success, right? Trevor Zegers is the talk of the NHL. He went after him. Uh, Matthew Boldy is currently lighting it up in Minnesota. He went in the teens, so I'm sure Doc is so frustrated and is asking himself, why am I not doing these things right now? Why am I not at that same level when I know I can be? So I, I really do feel for Kirby Doc right now. I know he's got to be beyond frustrated with himself. But one thing I really do want you all to keep in mind with Kirby. Let's think about all he's gone through already so far in his first couple of NHL seasons. Don't forget, this kid just turned 21 years old. So, so far through his NHL career, he suffered a horrendous broken wrist, one of the worst arm injuries I've actually ever seen along with suffering a concussion as an 18-year-old rookie at the Blackhawks development camp. Then he didn't really get any time at all to warm up to the professional game in Rockford Stan Bowman, thanks a lot buddy, just kind of threw him into the fire probably to keep fans enticed about this Blackhawks team. And now he's playing on one of the worst offensive teams in the entire NHL. He's never been an offensive stud. He was just over a point-per-game player in his final year with the Saskatoon Blades of junior hockey. So for people to be critiquing him because his offensive game, when he's on one of the worst offensive teams in the entire NHL, and that's not never necessarily been his bread and butter producing, he's a great passer, he's a playmaker, he's never been a, a really, it's hard to see him as a point-per-game guy in the NHL. Unless, He keeps progressing and progressing, which could happen. Again, he's only 21 years old. But for all those people who are critiquing Doc, considering all he's been through in his time with the Blackhawks so far, I mean, I really do feel for the kid. And I do think he could benefit by being moved over to the wing for a couple of different reasons. One, he can still be as responsible defensively as he is at the center position. Honestly, it only benefits a team when you can have two centers on the ice at the same time, as long as they stay responsible in their scheme. And also, one thing I think about with Doc on the wing rather than at center, he's never been the fastest on his skates, right? That's never been one of his best assets either. He's a fine skater. He's just not a tremendous skater. And with the NHL game only getting faster and faster and faster, I do think the opportunity for Doc to go and play on the wing will help him Not have to be the one to drive the play down the middle and create offensively because, again, I just don't think his offensive game is completely there yet at this point. So I think that will help him out. And also, by getting moved to the wing, I'm hopeful at least that Doc will finally learn to have a shoot first mentality because that's what you need to have as a winger in the NHL. And we have not seen that nearly enough out of Kirby so far at the NHL level. So I really do believe this experiment of moving him to the wing could actually be in his best interest. Also, one thing I do got to mention too, folks, we have seen Doc start to pick it up a little bit here as of late. Not only did he have the primary assist on Kaner's goal to open the scoring last night, and he also made that whole play happen, but he also had a primary assist on Alex Debrinket's game winner in the third period as well, and that now gives Kirby five points over his last five games. I know it's a very small uh frame there, but you know, he's starting to show us a little bit more on the offensive side of things, and I think that's going to continue to happen as he gets more and more NHL reps. I know it's frustrating so far, but you gotta let Kirby develop. We're hopeful. We're high on him. He's only 21. Stop being so hard on the kid. Understand that this is a process and hopefully the trend will continue on here in the second half. He'll keep producing points at a more consistent rate and hopefully that can also make himself a little bit more comfortable in a different position once captain Jonathan Tays is able to return from concussion protocol all right, ladies and gentlemen, I think that will wrap up Tuesday, February fifteenth episode of Locked Blackhawks. Thank you again for tuning into the show, and be sure to go and follow the Locked On Blackhawks podcast for free right now on your favorite podcast app, and you can get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. And after the show, be sure to go and check out the Locked On Bets podcast which is hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. You can get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and even Lee Sterling's lock of the day by just simply following the Lockdown Bets podcast. It's free and available on all platforms, so be sure to check out Lockdown Bets right now wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, thank you for tuning into today's episode. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can catch me on Twitter at my personal account at jackbushman2, or you could also check out my Strictly Blackhawks account at Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. And for any questions at all regarding anything related to the Blackhawks or the show, you can always email lockdownblackhawks at gmail.com. You can also hit me on any one of my Twitter accounts, or you can call 708-653-0572 to leave a voicemail. So until tomorrow's episode... Thanks again for listening to the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.